So reading from Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, again, welcome to, uh, to Grace West. We're beginning a, a bit of a vision series this morning. Is my volume okay? Um, good. I hope it is. I, I haven't been feeling well lately. How many of you are not well this morning or have been sick this week? And uh, it sort of has just settled in my chest and my voice, and I, you know, I'm probably going to cough. My voice is going to give out at some point, and uh, I'm going to have to stop preaching. Um, but that's the good news. Um, We'll see how far we get this morning, and I'll pray in a second that God would help. I, mean, I, I did talk to the Lord about it this morning. I told him, I'm, you know, I'm concerned that I'm not going to be able to finish. And, uh, you know, he heard me. And uh, it's good to be dependent, isn't it? It's good to have to trust the Lord. It's, good to be, it's okay to be not okay. It's okay to be weak and for God to have to show up. And so we pray that he will this morning. Um, where was I? Hey, we... We're, we're in a vision series this morning, and we're going to be in a vision series for a few weeks, and uh, I'll tell you why. A few weeks ago, some of you, many of you actually uh, went down the road to Olivet Baptist Church, and uh, you began a bit of a visioning process while you were there, and we were asking this question, who are we? I mean, what kind of church has God made us to be? And uh, what kind of church is God calling us to be? And uh, I wasn't there at the time. I was away. And I'm glad that I was. I'm so glad that, that many of you were able to speak and to participate in the visioning of, uh, of our church. And, um, you know, what we heard was something like this. We, we see ourselves and we want to be a church that, uh, that grows, that grows spiritually. We want to be a place where people can come and they can encounter Jesus Christ and where they can actually grow in their faith. And uh, this morning, what we're going to do, and over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the concept of, of growing. And it's a great time to think about growing, isn't it? Because think about everything that's growing right now. Everything is just exploding. How, how happy are you this morning that everything's popping and exploding? I mean, the trees, the, the leaves are shooting out, and, the, and the, 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 what do you call those things? Flowers. Flowers are blossoming, and um, the grass is, is growing, and you've got to cut it twice every week right now. It's just such a great time. And so we've taken a bunch of these, I don't know, botanical metaphors throughout Scripture that serve as... Um, a way of helping us to understand some very important spiritual lessons about growing. And this morning, we're looking at one of them. Did you see that this morning? As we looked at Psalm 1, you know, like a tree planted by streams of water that 
doesn't wither, its, its leaves don't wither, and uh, who bears fruit. Now, I'm not going to like jump there right now. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Um, we're going to stop for a minute. We're going to pray. And uh, you're going to pray for me because I'm, I'm really not feeling very well this morning. And uh, I, I really would love to preach. I, uh, I'm determined to preach. And I'm determined to enjoy preaching this morning. Um, and so um, pray for me as I lead us in prayer. And, uh, and pray for this series that God would just show us as a church who he wants us to be. Okay, let's pray. Father, it is, it is our delight this morning to meditate on your word. And we know, Lord, that this is how you have designed for us to grow. And so would you grow us this morning and, and grow us in terms of a vision for who we not only are right now, but who we could be. And we ask that you would do this, Father, and, and help me to communicate these things. Um, you know that I'm not feeling well. And I don't know how long my voice is going to um, work with me. Um, but just we pray, give, give grace um, so that your word can be heard and your people can grow. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed. That's, that's how this psalm begins. It's the first word in this psalm. It's also the first word in the entire Psalter, which is, um, 150 songs which right in the middle of the Bible, worship, worship songs. And it's a word that has been sitting there for thousands and thousands of years. It's, it's not a word that we hear very or have heard very often in, in, in more recent years. But it's, it's had a bit of a comeback, actually. And uh, if you were to Google hashtag blessed, um, and you were to go to Instagram, you would find 147 million posts, uh, photos of what it means to be blessed. And if you do that, you'll find beautiful people, just gorgeous people. You'll find beautiful homes. You'll find beautiful cars. You will find beautiful vacations. You'll find beautiful dogs and beautiful jewelry. And this is what hashtag blessed is. It's what our culture construes as the blessed life. But I've got to wonder and wonder with me, could, could that be, is that all that it is, or is that the blessed life? Like, what if you don't have those beautiful things? Or what if, what if you do have those beautiful things? All of those beautiful things are, are going to become unbeautiful at some point in, in life. And what about all of the photos that, that weren't posted? The photos of, of the harsh and dark and, and, and gnarly side of life that were never posted. Look, if this is what it means to be blessed, then we're all in really big trouble. 
So what does it mean to be blessed? What, what does that mean? Do we just throw the word out? We don't. It's right here in our passage. What is the blessed life? What does it mean to be a blessed person? That's the question that we're looking at. And as I've thought about this, and as I've, I've searched the scriptures, and as I've especially looked in the New Testament, I don't see anywhere where the word blessed is tied to a geographical location, a specific ethnic group, to positive circumstances, or any material blessing in this life. I don't think that is what the blessed life is. Here's what I think it is. The blessed life, the one who is blessed, is the person, is the person who has been brought into a right and favored relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Period. And I would add this. I'll take the period off. And the experience of and the enjoyment of all of the spiritual blessings that flow from that relationship, that right and favored relationship that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Was that clear? It has nothing to do with our circumstances, good or bad or otherwise. It is, it's about our standing, our relationship with God and how he sees us in Christ as right with him, favored by him. And all of the blessings that flow through this. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, that in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And so what we're going to do this morning as we think about this, this big idea of being blessed, we're going to walk through Psalm 1, and we're going to see, first of all, a description of the blessed life. We're going to see an illustration of the blessed life, and we'll see a reason for the blessed life. The most boring outline you'll ever hear coming out of my mouth. However, it, it is the text. And I want us to be in the text this morning and, and meditating on God's word this morning. So first, the description of the blessed life. Now look at verses 1 and 2. Now the, the psalmist is clever because he knows that in order to paint a big picture here, he's got to do a couple of things. On the one hand, he's going to show you what the blessed life is not. You, you, you don't do certain things. The person who is blessed does not do certain things. And the person who is blessed does something. Okay? So the person who is blessed doesn't do certain things. Now, what does the blessed person not do? It says right here, The blessed person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scorners. All right. So the blessed person does not walk, here it says, first of all, in the counsel of the wicked. Now, counsel, what's that? That's advice. When someone gives you counsel, they're giving you advice, they're telling you how to, you know, what to do, where to go, and, and how to like, have a good outcome down the road. That's what advice is, but this is not good advice. This is the advice, this is the counsel of the wicked, it says. And when we think of wicked people, I know we tend to think of really bad people, right? People who are spending time 
uh, serving time for doing really horrible things. And that's part, but it's not really what the wicked is. The wicked are people who aggressively are hostile to God and all that is good. And the blessed person does not walk in the way of the wicked, nor does the blessed person stand in the way of sinners. This is the person who just refuses to just take a stand and to dig their heels in and to say there's no God. It doesn't matter how I live. I'll live however I want to live because there is no God. I am my own God. And the blessed person doesn't walk that way. The blessed person does not walk in the way of sinners or stand or sit, rather, in the seat of scorners. He's not talking about critical people or mocking people, per se. He's talking about God mockers. He's talking about God scoffers. People who, when they think about God, talk about God, do not like God, hate God, oppose God. And the psalmist says that the blessed person is not somebody who walks these ways. What does the blessed person do? How is the blessed person characterized in our psalm? This way. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, they meditate day and night. This is, this is amazing. Because of all the ways, of all the ways, that the psalmist could describe the righteous. Of all the ways. This is how he chooses to do it. The righteous person is somebody who delights in the law of the Lord and on that law meditates day and night. I know when we think of meditation, we tend to think of a quiet, serene, zen-like thing where we empty our minds. That's kind of a common way of thinking of meditation in our culture. And uh, the word that we have here for meditation is it's okay. It's a translation of a Hebrew word. It's fine, I guess. But it's a bit tame, to be quite honest, because the word that's hiding there in the Hebrew behind the English word meditation is the word hagah. Say it. Hagah. It's okay. You can say it. Hagah. Hagah. And it is the, uh, it's the, it's, it sounds like the, the, the low growling sound that uh, 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 an animal makes when they're standing over their prey, about ready to or even devouring the animal. In Isaiah chapter 31, verse 4, it says that the, the, it describes a lion standing over its prey and growling. That's Hagah. When I think of Hagah, I think of my, my late dog, Seamus. And I don't know if you have ever, anyone have a dog, had a dog? Want a dog? <laughs> but uh, I, I we, sometimes we would get our dog um, this bone, a big bone. We'd go to the pet store and get a big bone. And we would give this dog to Seamus, and he would just take it in its mouth, and he would go somewhere privately in the house, and he would start to lick that thing and then start to chew on it and worry over it. And uh, he would start to moan and groan, and, and, and he was hogging the bone. 
That's what he was doing. You know, it's uh, this. This is what it, this is what the word means. This is what it means to meditate on God's word. It's 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 not quite reading the word of God, and it's it's not exactly prayer. It's something in between. It's it's taking God's word and and just eating it, you know, devouring it. It's um, it's chewing on it. It's it's asking questions like, what does this passage mean? Like, what did it mean back then to the original audience? And, 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 and where does this passage kind of fit in the, the grand scope of redemptive history? And then it's like, what, God, does this mean for me now? How, how do you want me to live? What difference would this passage make if I were to live it out? That's Haggah, right? That is meditating on God's law. Now, I know, I know that some of you are like, that's, that's not good. Because I don't haga. I don't haga. Um, what does that mean? Because it says here that the righteous is described as someone who meditates on God's law. Wait, it gets more complicated because it says that this person meditates on God's law when? Day and night, which sounds like a 24-hour period of time, which sounds like they don't have a day job, which sounds like they don't sleep, that all they do is meditate, Haggah. But it's an idiom. Don't worry. It's an idiom. It just means a lot. It means a Constantly, regularly. The person described here as the blessed person is a person who meditates on God's law often. Often. And I'll tell you why this is important, friend. You have to hear this. How are we going to know where not to walk if we are not people of the book, if we're not people who are haggahing the word of God? How are we going to know? Because I think that sometimes these, 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 these three characteristics of the wicked and the sinful and the scorners, it's not always obvious to us. It's not always evident. And it's so easy when you're living in a culture which doesn't love God and where the message constantly coming to us and being filtered into our minds is anti-God. I mean, how are you going to discern when you listen to the songs you hear and the movies you watch and the news you listen to and the social media and everything when the message is not praise God, but the opposite? And it is so easy to be sucked into the vortex of a world that is against God. It is. And you don't even know it unless we're people of the book who are meditating on this word. Just, it's so hard. When I was a kid, growing up, there was a Tim Hortons at the end of the street, and I would go down to the Tim Hortons, and I would order myself a hot chocolate in one of those ceramic mugs. How many of you are old enough to have actually drink, drink coffee or something from a ceramic mug at Tim Hortons? Okay, all right. 
And uh, <clears throat> they actually did that. And I would get my hot chocolate and a chocolate eclair. And I would go and I would put it down on the table in front of me. And right beside me was an ashtray filled with cigarette butts. You used to be able to smoke cigarettes um, in Tim Hortons. Did you know that? And not long ago. And this is not an anti-smoking uh, you know, thing I'm doing here. Uh, it's not an anti-smoking bit. It's, um, it's just the reality of the culture that we lived in. Did you know that it wasn't until like 1990 that the government finally banned smoking on commercial flights? 1990? <laughs> 1990! You could actually go for a, you could fly in a plane and, and there would be a smoking section and it would be at the back of the plane. So you could go to that section of smoke and then the people at the front were in the non-smoking section. And apparently there was this line, a magical line that would keep the smoke in the back. And if you forgot your cigarettes, no worries. You could actually buy cigarettes from the steward. And it just, uh, that was the culture we lived in. And you know what? You just kind of got used to it. You'd be sitting on the plane and yeah, okay, people are smoking, you know. But you know what? You just kind of get used to it. And, And what I'm saying is that that's the way it can be. How are you going to know what is the way? Unless you're hagaing the word of God. Now, this is a vision series. It's supposed to be. And, uh, man, I just, I, I wonder, I wonder what it would be like, what it would look like for us to be a church that lives this way. Like, what would it be like for you, first of all, individually? And, you know, don't put your hands up, but I just, like, how many of you, this is not, like, to shame you or anything. It's not a guilt session. It's, um, it's, a, it's self-reflection. How many of you would say you have a consistent daily or regular time when you are in the Word of God? You know, and you're just, oh, I love this so much. And you're working it, and you're eating it, and you're devouring it, you're meditating on it like a dog. How many? say, uh, I don't, I don't really do that. Do you want to do it? Well, to be honest, no. Okay. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a good idea to do this? I think you do. So why not start there? Start there and say, Lord, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't really hug your word, but could you help me? Could you just Put a hunger in my heart for your word to just eat it and, and delight in it and to know who you are and to know how to walk and to know where not to walk. Man, we're living at such an unprecedented time in terms of resources, like the Bibles and the translations and the apps. I mean, it's just, it's just an amazing time. What could it mean for you? to be a person described here in this psalm who is hungering and hugging for the word of God. That's the blessed life. You're going to hug off or something, right? The issue isn't hug or not hug It's like, what are you hugging for? What do you want? What are you eating? What are you devouring? I'm just saying that this passage here says that the blessed life, the blessed life is a life where one is meditating on God's law, eating it. God, I just can't get enough of this. I want more. 
beautiful, beautiful life. Now, the psalmist is going to pivot here. So smart. Because he knows that one of the best ways to make something just sing is to give an illustration. Okay? This is what illustrations do. They, they take an idea and they make it vivid. And, and the psalmist is giving this, this beautiful picture of what it could look like when we as a people, when we as individuals, when we as a church are committed to making God's word the thing, the thing that we give ourselves to and long for. Here it is. It's like a tree. She's like a tree planted by streams of water whose leaf does not wither and whose bears fruit in due season. Now, I want you to notice something about this tree, friends. This tree hasn't just sort of showed up, okay? And it hasn't planted itself. It's been planted. The owner of the land has been looking for a place to plant this tree. He's looked all over his property. He found the perfect spot right by the river. And he, uh, he plants this seed or a sapling into <clears throat> the ground. And the roots, because roots do, they just long to look for water. And they shoot out roots and they go down into the water and the tree begins to grow begins to grow sturdy and strong and secure as trees should. And he's, what he's doing here is he's showing us like the, the impact of, of living a life, a blessed life, a life that is longing for and committed to eating and devouring the word of God. You see what he's saying here? And when we are that church, when that is at the center of what we're doing, we're going to grow and we're going to grow strong because that's what trees do. They grow strong. That's why birds live in trees. That's why squirrels live in trees. That's why people build houses in trees. That's why if you go on Airbnb, you will be able to rent a tree house. Trees are strong, and that's the point of this. And what's also amazing is that they... They have these leaves that don't wither. They don't wither, ever. This psalm, Psalm 1, is, it's not the only place in the Bible that we find this psalm. Do you know that it makes a cameo in the prophets in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. But there, Jeremiah adds a few more ideas. And he says that even when there is drought, even when the heat of life comes down, the tree's leaves don't wither. Amazing. Isn't it amazing that you can be going through the most, the most horrendous thing in life, the worst thing, the, the stress, or even the blessings which can be heat? They can be. And you still grow. Why? You grow because the roots are tapped down into the water, the word of God. And that allows you to grow. That allows us to grow and grow and grow. And not just that, but this tree bears fruit. <laughs> it bears fruit. It's not just a tree with green leaves. It's a fruit tree. And a fruit tree is good for people. It's useful. People can eat it. 
And Jesus wants this church, I believe, to be a church that bears fruit, good fruit, people to eat. He wants to so work in our lives so that what comes out is, is just fruit, good works, beautiful lives that touch and bless people who are hurting and maybe who don't know Jesus Christ. I mean, imagine being that kind of church where we are so consumed with the word of God and so given to the word of God and God's great story of redemption that it just, it is so got hold of our hearts that what comes out is this fruit spilling into the world around us. Amazing. Can you imagine being that kind of church? How is this going to happen? What is the reason for the blessedness? That's the question I want to explore for just a minute or two before we finish this morning. Because it says in verse 4 that the wicked are are not so, but they're like chaff. They're blown away by the wind. And if you understand this idea, it's the picture of taking weed and just a pitchfork and throwing it up in the air. And the husk, the dead tripart, is blown away by the wind, but the kernel stays. But that's what he describes the wicked life as. The person in verse 1, there's no stability. There's no anchor. There's no security. Blown away. Blown away. And that's why he says in verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You've got to hear this. If you're here this morning and, and, and you're, thank you if you're exploring Jesus Christ, but you've got to understand this because this is what the word of God is saying. And I'm not saying that by myself, this is the word of God. There's no stability to your life. There's no stability to your future. The Bible says that if, if you're not in Christ, you're like that husk, be blown away. And you won't stand on the day of judgment. You won't stand. You'll be blown away from all that God is, and God is good and love. And you won't know that. You see, that's why you've, you've got to figure this out and sort this out this morning and, and in your journey. Like, who is Jesus? This is a vitally critical question. I promise you from God's word, it is the most important question you could ever ask now or in this life. Because this is about your life and about your future. And God's word says this, that there's salvation found in nobody else but Jesus Christ. It's not what you do. It's not what you don't do. It's not how religious you are, not how smart, accomplished, or anything. It's about Jesus Christ and what he came to do for you. And the reason why anyone in this room will stand and stand on that day and it's coming is because of this powerful word right here in the psalm. The reason why the righteous will stand in the congregation and stand on that day is because God knows the righteous. I'm going to give you another Hebrew word. I give you one this morning. You're getting a Hebrew lesson this morning. This one is yada. It is a beautiful, beautiful word. God knows. It is, it is an intimate knowledge 
It is a knowledge of someone that doesn't get any closer. In fact, this word is used in the Bible to describe the relations between a husband and a wife. Remember, you know, Adam knew Eve, and she conceived. Yada. This isn't a casual, superficial knowledge. This is a love knowledge. A knowledge where he knows you and knows all about you, knows everything about you, and loves you. And loves you in his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the love. That's the knowing. And that's the only reason why anyone is blessed. If you're here this morning and you are in Christ, you have been planted by a gracious, gracious God. And you are blessed this morning because his love has found you and he knows you. He knows you. He knows you. That's grace. That's the reason for the blessed life. It's not what we do. It's not what we can accomplish. It's what God has done and Christ has accomplished for you. Now listen. We want to be a church. Imagine being a church that is so in love with God and the knowledge that he knows us and loves us. And let that just get into our hearts and allow us to just hunger for the word of that knowing, loving God. God, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to grow. I want to flourish. I want to be fruitful in this life. And God will hear that prayer. And God will more and more make us into that kind of church. Because that, my friend, is the blessed life. And isn't that, after all, what all of you want? I know you do. Let's seek God's face right now. And let's seek his grace to be that kind of church. Our Father in heaven, we're humbled by your word this morning. And it's good, Father, it's good for us to sit here and just dive into it and and meditate and chew on it. And Father, we want to be a church that's hungry for your word and hungry for your gospel. And we thank you so much, Father, that in love, because you knew us, you sent your Son, that we might know you. And now, Lord, we pray that your word will never, ever depart from this place, that your word will be at the center of the preaching of the word of God and in our small groups and in our lives. Father, may our community be a a word-based church and a church that grows because of it, grows strong and sturdy 
It is fruitful. It is of use, not just to us, Father, but to the places that you have put us. And so help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.